This is the Definitely Uncertain Podcast, brought to you by Gold Rock Capital. Each week, we look at how high net worth families can improve their lives, decisions, and investments in a deeply uncertain world. We always aim to provide practical information, even if we can't offer specific investment advice. Welcome, everybody, to the Definitely Uncertain Podcast. My name is Darren Rockman, and I'm a partner with Goldrock Capital, the 20-year-old multifamily office servicing high net worth families in Israel and around the world. And today, I am very pleased to have on the show, Jack Levy. Hi, Jack. How are you? Excellent, Darren. Thank you so much for having me. It's good great. to be It's great to have you. Jack is a partner at Moore VC, which is an Israeli venture capital fund, and Jack and I have known each other for many, many years. And and Jack, you know, Jack's got one of those uh CVs that you know you die to have, right? You know, he, you know, Harvard undergrad, Columbia Law. He then goes and quarterbacks the IPO of register.com as the general counsel for the company, uh, does that successfully, then moves to Israel, starts his VC, and now you're you're raising or raised your third funds and you're investing out of that fund. So, you know, it's just sort of like a it's the boilerplate best of CVs, you know, would you agree? Uh, of course not. I would say I peaked, I peaked too early. Right. And then, and then what I always tell the young people when they come to me and they say, I want to get into VC, I say, no, don't do that. Be an operator. It's, uh, there's so much more teamwork that be a real builder. Don't sit here and be on the sidelines only investing. So it's a privilege to do what I do. I'm I'm excited. As we tell our kids, do it, do what I say, not what I do. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, in so, all honesty, it's uh, the 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 best part about it really is is to be able to do this here in Israel, and and it's a privilege. So oh, appreciate great. it. Fantastic. It's fantastic. We, we should have lots more people like you here in Israel, Jack. Um, so, look, I I, I want to use this as an opportunity just to talk about what what's going on in Israel VC in general, and specifically for you as an investor, um, and how you go about the process of investing in venture capital and high tech and, uh, you know, what you see. So let, let's maybe start, start with that. So when you look at an early stage companies and, 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 you know, our, our podcast is called definitely uncertain. Your business investing in very early stage companies is definitely uncertain. Probably should be the name of your podcast, not mine, but what do you look for? What are the, what are the sort of key things that you guys uh, consider when you're deciding to invest in an early stage tech company? So this is probably going to be obvious to some of your viewers, but the answer is team. Right, it, I would say it's eighty percent team and twenty percent uh, a, a potential for a massive opportunity. Right, I think one of the greater VCs, um, I, I think it was uh, Tim Draper, you know, sort of said, like, I always ask myself, what could, what, what will this look like if things go right? In other words, you want that massive outcome potential. Our business is driven by massive outcome potential. So I think. It, you don't want to make the mistake of in making an investment and deploying your precious capital and resources into something that even if things go well, the outcome is limited because either the market is too small or because uh, there, there, there's something about the nature of the company that it's much more likely to hit a kind of a business model where it will be gobbled up early or what have you, right? So we, that's one part of it. But and then once you know that you're operating in a in a in a big market, a market with a with a big pain point and a massive need, it's 80% about the team. At the stage that we make the investments, it is 
it is 100% definitely uncertain. I'm trying to think of the word that's more definite than definitely, like indisputably <laughs> uncertain. Absolutely. <right>? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely uncertain. And so you want to work with entrepreneurs who you know will be able to navigate through that uncertainty. So it's a it's a combination of experience, although we also invest in first-time entrepreneurs. So it doesn't necessarily mean that the experience has to be that they have built a company before and, and had that success. We can talk about that as well. There's a, It's an interesting point that now, for sure, in the Israeli VC community, there are a lot of second and third-time entrepreneurs. And often, they can be good bets. But some of the best outcomes globally in VC and also in Israel are coming from the first-timers. So the experience, though, might be experience with the problem. It might be that the experience with the problem that they're trying to solve that maybe they even had individually and therefore they have insane passion to solve it, right? That that can drive you very, very far. Or it might be experience in the market or experience doing a critical element of what's necessary in the success here. But it doesn't have to be that we're only investing in those that have done second or third time. So we look for that kind of experience. We look for entrepreneurs who I think on the one hand, have a significant ego such that they can bring a lot of people with them. But on the other hand, significant, I don't even I say humility, but it's, it's you know a realization that they're always going to be after hiring people who, who can do things better than them and, and, and motivate their, their leaders. They have to be leaders. They have to be people who can recruit a team who can sell to investors, to customers, and who have that passion to go through an eight to 10 year journey with you. Um, because from our perspective, that's sort of what it is. And knowing that, you know, they're they're going to navigate through all all the different windy roads to get there ultimately. Right. One of the things that, you know, you use the word team, it's, it's often not about a single person, but a group of people. And, you know, 10 years is a very, very long time. How do you diligence, how do you work out whether or not these guys are actually going to be able to stay together? You know, often they, they, they may not have known each other from previous experience. It's a, it's a great question. I can tell you, by the way, it's also one of the things that I think some of the smart LPs do vis-a-vis uh, funds as well, right? The, sure. the, the, if Especially if you're investing in an emerging manager, then the, the biggest risk is team risk with an emerging managers as well. Um, what, that was one of our advantages when we started our fund is that the three of us had known each other for a long time. And yep. I, I think with entrepreneurs, uh, uh, absolutely, by the way, we first of all, I would say it's rare that we invest in a sole entrepreneur and a sole founder, right? We have done it. One of our companies, it's going well, but it's, it's, it's much easier uh, for, to know that they're going along on their journey with somebody else. Um, I don't think that there's sort of, you know, one, it's one of the things that you do diligence on in the references. And by the way, when, when I say due diligence, it's not even the references, right? I mean, I'm literally at the end of a, of a process right now. I just mentioned to you before this, that, that I just made an offer out there and I'm waiting to see if we're going to win it. And the diligence itself, the process of, of talking to the team again and again and iterating with them, that's the process. You get a good sense of how they respond to your inquiries, how they're going to work with you and how they're working with their co-investor. You can see very on, early on um, if they're cutting each other off in meetings. I mean, there's some basic sorts of things. If you, you yep. see that there's a trust, right, between them or if there isn't, the, Right. That means you need some time because you've got to meet these guys, you know, on multiple occasions and, you know, clearly not all in the same week or maybe even the same month. How long does it usually take for you guys to reach the point you just reached when you actually 
are willing to write a term sheet. So that's that's also a challenge these days because it's a very competitive market and you sometimes don't have the time that you want. I will be, I I, I would say that typically speaking, we, we get we can't make a decision in less than thirty days. And I hope this is a, not a mistake for me to sort of put that out there so publicly, but right. it's the truth. Uh, we there are some funds that can't, and they might have. Uh, the instincts. Now, again, it, it, that said, lots of times the entrepreneurs that we're backing are entrepreneurs that we already have relationships with, right. not vis-a-vis this specific opportunity. They they were an employee. This is the advantage now of having been in business for 13 years, right? They were an employee at one of our previous companies. They're a friend of one of our entrepreneurs, and that and that entrepreneur has told us great things about them. Or um, or in some instances, such as my last investment, it's a, the chairman of the company is somebody that I've been wooing for three years. No joke. Uh, on a regular quarterly Flowers, wine, dinner, the whole thing. Uh, you know, the, I don't know about the flowers, right? But, uh, but <laughs> regular coffee. Regular coffee. Regular, regular, it depends, coffee. regular coffee is the more typical, I think, right. VC woo, right? right. The, the more early morning. What's, gonna, what's the next thing that you're going to do? I'm interested in working with you. So, so then when they came into my office with the idea, I was almost sold already, right? Because I, right. I, I, I knew, knew the guy, yeah. I knew yeah, the person sure. and I didn't, but the interesting thing is that's where the person, and, and I would say more about that one's in stealth. I don't want to say the name or anything like that, but it's in the insure tech space. And I, I was not in that space before. So, but I knew the chairman and I knew the way he thought, and I'd had lots of good discussions with him about what it takes to build a defensible, scalable business. And I was excited about the way he thought, and I knew that he would bring terrific entrepreneurs together with me. So, so even if you only get, so in this process that I just wrapped up right now, I've been in an intense discussion with them for three weeks, but here too, one of the founders I've actually known in this particular instance for 25 years. Right. Right. So it's, so it doesn't mean that it always has to be that way. We absolutely will meet the young team that was, that got a strong introduction that we know is meeting everybody else. Uh, But for us, if that's going to be the process, even, even 60 days would be better than 30 because then we get to go through that. And so that's our challenge. Our challenge is to really try to meet the entrepreneurs before they're raising get in a dialogue with them. And then we know we have the time to build that uh, level of comfort and understanding. Okay. You mentioned a moment ago that it's a competitive market. How has the landscape changed for you as a, as a deployer of capital of someone who's out there trying to put capital to work in a smart way, in a risk managed way with lots of upside? So, so, you know, let's, let's start just with the basic numbers. I think in 2005, when I started looking at raising our first fund in 2006, there was about two and a half billion or so of uh, money coming in on, a, on an annual basis from all the different local VCs, farm VCs, corporates yeah. into tech companies. This year, that's going to exceed nine billion, I think, right? That's those are the numbers that it looks like. I don't know what's going to happen in December. Now, it's very true that a lot of that overall capital is on the growth equity side, the big checks, right. the fifty yeah. million dollar checks. Where, where and, you guys don't play, and we don't play there. We hope to benefit from that, and we certainly have some of our companies that have, and that allows our companies to then go for bigger outcomes when they can raise that, uh, like a company like Viar, for example, which raised you know one hundred nine million dollars a year ago. Perfect timing, also just before a COVID year, right? Sure. Um, but that's allowing them to really play a very very long game, uh, which which increases the outcome for us. Uh, 
it's true that on the seed stage, one could even, there are arguments that the amount of capital has remained flattish, but it's certainly not that, that 10 year period, I'm saying in the recent year or two. I don't feel it that way. I feel there, there's an excellent uh, uh, map that was put out by uh, one of our colleagues at Cardamon Capital who mapped the entire invest, investor ecosystem. For any of your listeners who are looking for it, if they go find Cardamon Capital, they'll, they'll see a wonderful map. You'll see how, uh, I don't know if I would say the word crowded, but how robust the ecosystem is right now. And there's no doubt that the entrepreneurs understand that. I think this is a there's there's never been a better time, I think, in Israel than to start a company than now in the past, you know, 12 years that I've been doing this. I, I, I think I think the wonderful thing is it's probably true every year for the last five years that we could have said there's I never think, been a better time. It, I think that's exactly right. It, it, it's growing, it's growing. There's been that now you have the whole Emirates element to it as well, which is a whole new path to market in a region and 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 potentially sources of capital as well. Right. Um it, but I, I, I think it's, uh, it's a robust uh, process and, and, and we have to be fast. Again, we, com- we like to compete, okay? We know what our competitive advantages are. They're sometimes hard to get out there in, in the most public way. And, but the advantage of having been doing this for a long time is that the best deals that we're getting, we're getting from a referral basis from people that know us and that like working with us and can say to their friend, because who does an entrepreneur turn to first when they're working with us? They turn to other entrepreneurs. They bounce their ideas off of them. They, they want, they need to find a co-founder. Who do they turn to to find a co-founder? And, and, and so sometimes we're even involved in some of those discussions. Those are the best things for us uh, in in terms of ultimately translating into deals. It it is competitive. Yeah. Okay. So now let's just start to talk a little bit about some of the specifics and specific companies that you're in. And, and maybe let's see some of the lessons or, or examples of, of the lessons you've learned along the way as it comes out in a specific deal. So maybe take us to one of one of your companies and talk us through some of the dynamic there, what they do and and how, how things are playing out. Sure. So I, I think the my partner, Mayor, by the way, used to say to me, he came from a public securities perspective, and he said that you have to make an early call in a non-consensus call and, and, and you know, with a mispriced security because you're making the early non-consensus call. So one of, and then hopefully the market comes up after you, and that's what drives up the value of the company. So early on, maybe six or seven years ago, I got interested. I've always been interested in the agritech space. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the spaces that I cover for the fund. And I got interested in the biological space. And by biologicals, what I mean is that all of the agrochemicals, pesticides, herbicides, uh, have. it's a massive market. It's a market which is facing significant problems, not only regulatory pressure, but also, frankly, the, some of the significant chemicals that we all depend upon to grow food at scale are working less and less. Biology of the pests and of the funguses and of the bacteria catches up with all those products. It costs hundreds of millions of dollars now for those chemical companies to bring a new chemical product to market. And so increasingly, they're looking at biological solutions. And biological solutions means it could be beneficial funguses or beneficial bacteria or even macrobiological solutions to help uh, uh, stabilize the ecosystem and, and, and increase plant yield by attacking the bad ones. So I started really doing good deep dive into this space, going to conferences, learning the space well before I think any VC, certainly here in Israel, would, would have been interested in this. 
And ultimately, I found the entrepreneurs here that were interested in it as well. And that's uh, three entrepreneurs, Yossi Kaufman, Dan Grotsky, uh, and Danny Levy, who were focused on soil health. And I think now increasingly, you're hearing a lot more talk about soil health, which is terrific for us. And this company is called Groundwork Bioag. And they in, they license their technology out of the Volcani Institute, which is the governmental research institute here in Israel. And they have a way of basically producing a beneficial fungus called mycorrhiza in a much more cost-effective way. And mycorrhiza increases the health of the soil and therefore increases yields of crops, many, many different crops, um, by the, you know, you sort of get a situation where the roots of the plants attach itself to the fungus and it allows them to uptake the nutrients that they need, especially when they're under stress. So when you hear under stress, that means climate change, that means flooding, that means temperature changes and the like. So we think sure. that mycorrhiza right now, it's maybe a smallish market, a hundred plus million dollar market. We think that this is a multi multi-billion dollar category. So that's an exciting company. Uh, and that's operating already globally, producing, based in Moshav Mazor. And uh, uh, that's, uh, you know, the, that's the process of trying to f do a deep dive, do a lot of research, figure out an area that you think is going to be big, but that others don't see that quite yet and getting in ahead of them. That If that works out well, and we can do that again and again and again, that's us doing our job. Right. Give, give us another one. That, that was that was really terrific. You got another uh, one for like, us? You know, like a classic, uh, I mean, uh, trying to think of like a classic one. I'll give you one of my partners, okay? So um, Clarity is a company in the industrial cybersecurity area. And here, my partner, Mayor, it's interesting because as, as I think, you know, we have a legacy of a clean tech interest in our fund, right? Sure. And, and one of the things that Mayor saw very, very early on is that if we're going to get distributed generation on the utility side, which means that we're no longer, we're moving from power generation being a situation where you're burning some kind of fossil fuel in one central place and then sending the electrons everywhere. But instead we're moving to a world where there's going to be electrons generated. on my house, wind exactly. panel on my neighbor. You got it. Distributed yeah. generation, which means the, the grid is going to start talking to each other back and forth and back and forth, sure. that opens up vulnerabilities. Because if the grid is speaking to each other and you're monitoring the grid and, and you're opening up the grid to um, you know internet protocols, you're also opening it up to attack. So in our first fund, Mayor already started looking at cybersecurity for infrastructure, particularly in power. The whole first fund, he didn't find anything that he liked. In our second fund, we started looking for it again, continued his search, and then we started to see Israeli companies that had that kind of core capability. He wasn't terribly thrilled with the ones that we saw, and instead he ended up partnering with Team 8, a foundry. And this is a little unique. Not that many funds do this. Frankly, I would have never done this. Mayer actually spent nine months kind of not looking at any other new deals other than helping to found Clarity. He was the early sort of founding CEO, working with the foundry, with teammates, building out um, with an incredible tech founder. I mean, the, the, you know, the three founders, Mayor's not known as a founder of the company, and that's okay. It wasn't for our, it was for our LP's benefit, right? We, Mayor didn't get any personal equity. This was for us to be able to invest. Um, he basically helped guide, because of his knowledge of the industrial world, helped guide um, Amir and Benny and Galina into uh, the right path. And then ultimately um, 
took a step back and was the first the initial chairman and now he's on the board. So that's a company now that's gone on to raise, um, you know, I don't know, probably 70 million or so since we made our first sort of investments. Wow. Now has a CEO, also a recently new appointed CEO, Yaniv Vardy, that we think, you know, really has, we worked with him in the past. He helped exit another one of our companies. And this is a company that's doing not just protection of utilities, they're protecting food and beverage facilities, they're protecting oil and gas exploration facilities offshore, they're protecting really core industrial assets. And, uh, and, and, as, and as we saw in the last couple of weeks, you know, with the uh, the break in in one of Israel's insurance companies, that's uh, that's a, becoming a really big issue. Cyber this year is is all of the cyber companies have taken off in terms of their, and we're seeing it in their growth and in the accounts that they're winning. And uh, uh, it's a it's unfortunate that that's a world that we live in that that threat is you know growing, but it is it is. Un, unstoppable yeah. that you're you're going to face it, so you better have a solution for it. And that's the other thing we look for. Uh, you know, I you want to be in a market where there's pull, right? So in in the, in that market, you have the boards of the companies saying to the CEO, "How are you protecting your assets? I don't want to be the board right. that that wakes yeah. up the next how, morning. How are you protecting me from getting my, my 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 picture on the front page of the Wall Street Journal?" Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Or, 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 or how are you protecting me from from understanding that there is an, an attack on, on the infrastructure? And then everybody's saying, well, where was the board thinking about no, this? And so, sure. so but, but the, the incredible thing that, yeah, the incredible thing about that story, Jack, is that you know, it, it, it was a, it wasn't even a multi-year process. It was it was like a multi-fund process to get <laughs> to the point where you could actually make that investment. I think that's right. I, 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 there's no doubt that a lot of VC investments that don't go well, and we have several of these for sure, we're just way ahead of their time. Right. Okay. So, for example, we had an investment in a in a solar window company, meaning that the window itself had solar built into it, so that Pythagoras called Solar was the name of the company, so that the sides of the buildings could generate electricity. And that was just way ahead of its time. There is a unicorn company out there right now that basically is doing that. And, and our, we wrote off that company probably seven, eight years ago. We almost we tried to sell it at the end of its lifetime to one of the three big glass produ producing companies. We weren't able to. But so so it, I think I don't think that in the in the cyber for infrastructure to some extent mayor was a little ahead of his time when he started to look at it, but not too much ahead of his time. So right. we finally executed on it's it. It's going to be on the, the sweet spot. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, to finish off, there's one issue which I think you know, we, we've dealt with on a previous podcast in a, in a macro sense, but um, and that, that's the, the dollar shekel rate. And I think that for you know the uh, the high tech industry, who probably many more than anybody else are the are the people that suffer the most uh, from uh, the, the strengthening shekel. You know, was where we're talking about at the moment. You know, we're recording this in the middle of December, even though this is not going to go out till 2021. The, the shekel sitting at about 325. How, how do your companies and how do you as as you know VC and and often members of the member of the board? How do you deal with that? Yeah, so we lived through this in you know once before, not quite even to these levels, but certainly down to the three three levels. And at that point in time, it's it's both our fund is dollar denominated, right? So even we as a fund actually um, did a little bit of collaring, right? So I, I think that at this stage of a company's life, predictability and for, by the way, although I think it extends throughout, is that predictability matters more, right? So. 
if you can get a grasp around your operating expenses and at least keep that in a 10% bandwidth, the fact that maybe you converted dollars to shekels at a low rates, looking back at it down the road, doesn't matter. So I think our, our especially our companies that have good cash and have long runways, um, well, frankly, maybe it's even more important for the ones that don't, right? In other words, you know what you want to accomplish that year. You know what milestones you have to hit to drive value. So make sure that if 80% of your expenses are salaries here in Israel, then then collar, right? Or, or, or convert. I don't care if you're converting at a low rate, just know that you can hit your budget for 2021. Don't come back seven to eight months down the road and say, it's not even say to me, say to yourself like, oh God, we're 25% under and we're not gonna be able to hit that because of a currency issue. Try, do your best to take it out of the equation. It's not, it's, it's it's not easy to do when you feel that effectively you're devaluing you know the total amount that you raised by, by right. converting at a low point but that's our advice is like company valuations at an early stage are driven by hitting milestones and real milestones milestones are driven by people doing work people earn salaries in shekel then just make sure that you and and by the way if you don't have enough then tell your board way before early on maybe you want to do a top up round we did yeah. that for sure back it, I, I think we did that with one or two companies back in the time we haven't we don't have that situation with anybody right now where that's necessarily relevant but we would consider it we would consider okay. it. So. Jack that, that was incredible it's really a really great Gosh. overview of you know your business and uh, you know the types of things that you guys do and i think there's a lot of really interesting takeaway lessons particularly for individual investors who try and play in the VC game uh, on their own book and you know with you know with direct investing uh, and the challenges of you know, doing the things that you do, you know, be able to move really fast, but at the same time have the same level of uh, you know in-depth due diligence and really getting to know the managers and, and the challenges and why working with professionals like you uh, is is obviously a very very beneficial. So here, that's a bit of a shout out for. for well, for I appreciate that, but I want to say that over the years that I've been obviously raising funds and talking to family offices and LPs. The, the the learning that we, when you speak to a family office and you're talking to a family that's built a multi-generational business and effectively you're trying to, you know, we've learned a lot from the family offices that have backed us from day one throughout this period. And not only just from their exposure to VCs and a lot of them have multiple exposure to great funds and all that, but from the businesses that they themselves have built. And, and so, you know, uh, it's, uh, it goes both, these learnings go both ways and, 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 Thankfully, the returns in the sector in Israel over the past, you know, 10 years have been very good. So well, hopefully right. they well, can thanks. continue. That, that, that's terrific. Best of luck to you and, and, and your right. partners and to all your companies. And hopefully 2021 will be a less eventful year and a more return to normal uh, on, 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 on every level. And, and, and you guys all should be, uh, should be safe and healthy. And uh, right. thanks, everybody, for listening uh, to the Definitely Uncertain podcast. There'll be more coming your way. Uh, thank you to our producer, Andrea Herman, and to our editor, Idor Schlesinger. And we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.